you know, the right people seem to stay in your orbit. Yeah. When my new team came together, I worked with these guys. I met Corey at TCU and worked with both Austin and Corey at, at AXA, and Kelly was with me at AXA. But even when they went their own separate ways, for some reason, we all just stayed in each other's orbit. And you don't know why. It's just those relationships, those connections. And then when all the stars aligned for some crazy reason, we looked at them and said, we have an opportunity to, to get this band back together. And given our shared experiences and past, when it comes together, we know what we don't want. And we know also now what we want and how this thing's going to be structured and how we're going to work with our clients and what they're going to get and what we're going to deliver. And when sometimes you will never get to that place if you don't go through, if you don't go through that misery, you don't go through that hell. Cause it's, it's just in those times where if your eyes are open enough and you can manage your mindset and you're looking for them, those doors open and they come together. And then to be in a city that just opens and embraces it. And, and, and I get to work with world-class people and world-class clients and, and people that, you know, trust us. It's, it's been an amazing. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. For more information on this show, you can go to myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experience with an ED at the end of it for my fellow Marines like myself and even my guest today. So we spell things correctly and click on the podcast button. You can download this episode and other episodes from all the different platforms that are there on the link, as well as listen to the show directly from the website. And of course, if you are looking to buy and sell real estate anywhere on the planet and want a trusted professional, just hit the homepage, click the Find a Trusted Professional button, and we will make sure you get connected with someone that is there to look after your financial interests. But more importantly, we're not here to talk about that today. We're here to talk about my guests. And when you do this, you can click on the Read More to learn about my friend, longtime friend, my wealth manager, my fellow Marine, my good drinking buddy, Tim Hatcher. How you doing, my friend? Good morning. I'm outstanding. Outstanding. As a matter of nice. fact, it was really good to see you Monday. I, I didn't realize that it had been actually a year. It had been. I, I think I shared with you the last time I actually saw you, I was picking up uh, pizzas out of the back of your truck. You were doing your neighborhood run, and uh, the boys love you know old school. And so we got some pizzas, and we were sitting out in the front yard, uh, socially distanced and picking up pizzas from the back of your truck. <laughs> Just a side hustle. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Hey, I mean, listen, I mean, when you're actually able to look at your family and they go, where'd you get the pizzas? And you go, they fell off a truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, the old, like the old mafia sayings, right? Yeah. Well, I started every one of these with a little joke. And, uh, and when I first started this show, my father-in-law said I had to do a joke. Now he wants me to stop doing the joke. So I intentionally do bad jokes. Right. Just because I know it'll annoy him. And I actually know he's listening to the show. So you ready for this, Tim? I'll do my best now, not to laugh at this. Yes. So you and I are avid poker players. Mm. And, uh, and I thought this joke would be fitting is what did the giraffe say to the leopard at the poker table? No idea. I thought you were a cheetah. I like this. I like this. This is yeah. funny to me. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to steal that. Yeah. You're going to steal that? Yeah, I like it. This is, this, so this is actually... <laughs> 
Yeah, it's all good. I like to I like to inherently disappoint people, just like I do my wife every day. And so I purposely look for bad jokes. And I mean, some you of them have been it. really bad. You like, nailed it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I've had some people almost get up and leave the show because they were like, <laughs> it was that bad. <laughs> just getting us off on the wrong foot. Yeah. I mean, why not? Because here, if you start off really bad and set the bar that low, you got nowhere to go but up for the rest of the show, right? Let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for the audience, let's paint the picture of who you are, where you come from, what your journey has been to get to where you are today and what you're doing today. So you come from? So you want to know. Your the, mother. Uh, come from my mother. So <laughs> I, am a, uh, I am a Texan. I was born in Beaumont, but uh, have no recollection of that. And uh, I was fortunate enough. It, it, and it really, I look back on it and I was very fortunate. My father has always been an offshore oil. And so my first memory as a human was when we were living in Singapore. We had been living there for some period of time. And then from Singapore, we went to Abu Dhabi for a number of years in elementary school there, I think up to third grade, New Zealand for a period of time, and then Fiji for a period of time. And in Fiji, there was no schoolhouse for us. And so I literally looked like Mowgli from the Jungle Book, okay? <laughs> I had an old school pair of just cotton shorts, no shirt on, and I, I get dark when I tan, had a little bicycle, and eaten mangoes off of trees in the ground, and they had like a little daycare thing. They release a story and then release us kind of out into the wild to play, and uh, my mother was like, you know, David, I thought she said, we got to get these kids back to the States. So we settled out in Katy, Texas, sort of rural Katy, and it was a, a great place to grow up. So Katy, Houston, my stomping grounds, then my time in the Marine Corps from 96 to 2002. And then back to South Texas, living in Rockport, which is very near and dear to my heart, and was going to school in Corpus Christi after I got out of the Corps at Del Mar College, where I met my wife, Natasha. And that, that's a funny story because you know, my, my whole family, my father, my mother, even my sister, they're, they're fluent in Spanish, right? I'm not. So I was like, okay, I'm learning Spanish. Took Spanish one there, you know, junior college. I'm 24, transitioning out of the core. Tough time for me. But taking Spanish one, did great. Spanish two, the teacher and I just didn't really click. So the school offered free tutors. They would employ students that were good at something. And so I went to the, go see this counselor. I want a tutor for Spanish. And so in comes my now wife, Natasha. She's beautiful now. Beautiful. You weren't thinking about Spanish the second you saw her. But I got a mortgage, kids, the whole nine yards, and I don't speak a lick of Spanish. Dude, you like seriously out punted your coverage because yeah. she is the epitome of smoke show. <laughs> yeah, she, she's awesome. And she, she's a beast. You know, she takes care of herself and she works out like crazy. But uh, is she still interested in doing the Ninja Warrior thing? Like, oh, remember, oh, yeah. If somebody gets her in it, she, she's on it. Yeah. So, so um, like, I'm scared of your wife. Like, you could check her body fat with a flashlight. Yeah, you probably yeah. can. Yeah. So we ended up getting married down in Rockport and I came up here to finish my education at TCU and the entrepreneurship program, which was run by David Minor at the time landscape in, in, in the, in the yeah. Neely's in the Neely school. Yeah. Landscape. And guy. so I finished my yeah, education yeah. here and in Fort Worth and really our intent was to never stay. I came up here just specifically to school. I want to go back to South Texas. I like being next to the ocean, but you know, Fort Worth is a very special town. that has been great to me. And just by going to school here and meeting people, some doors opened and when I walked across the stage, my wife was, Natasha was pregnant with our, our first son, Diego. So we looked at each other and said, you know, this town's been great to us and what a great place to raise a family. So Fort Worth is our home. We've been here since 2005, the longest I've ever been in any one place in my life. So 
Pretty cool. So that's a, a quick yeah. little uh, quick little background of sort of where I'm from. Yeah. And then you decided after school to get into yeah, financial advising, financial mm-hmm. services, and and actually started while I was at TCU. And, and this is you know kind of going back to how special Fort Worth is, right? And the, the value of relationships here in this town. It was just by chance. My wife was playing tennis with a lady. We didn't know anybody, but I'd given a presentation at TCU, and you know how they're in the business school. It's suit and tie, and you're you're, you're showing up. And she had a tennis match, and I was in between in between classes, so I went to go watch her. And this woman, wife playing doubles, was said, "What's your son, What's your husband do?" And, oh, he's a student. She's like, "My husband's looking for an intern," and got connected. And that internship was with a gentleman named Larry Wicker who was very special and near and dear to my heart. He gave me a realistic job preview during my internship. I wasn't doing, you know, BS work. He had me doing- You weren't some, shredding papers and counting paper clips. You know, and a little bit of that. You know, yeah. we had to do stuff, but he had me building financial plans uh, with him, showing me how to do that, how to work, you know, analytics tools, how to get on the telephone. How, Tell to, me more about that, how to get on the telephone, because I'm a sales guy. Mm-hmm. And I always love when we get to this portion of something with a fellow salesperson. Sure. Yeah. Because most people think it's like, no, you just pick up the phone and start dialing, right? Mm, yes. That, that's kind of, <laughs> that, that's kind of, that's kind of how that goes. Yeah. So I'll talk, I want to talk about that internship because, you know, Larry yeah. did a great job of, of mentoring me through that internship. And so when I graduated, the doors were open at that firm. And not only was my mentor, he, he ushered me into this business and, and I would not be in this business if not for him. Right. Somebody that's sort of, you know, grown up all over the place, Marine Corps coming to Fort Worth, which has great relationships. But for a transplant to build a financial services practice, it's a tough, tough road to hoe. Right. Yeah. The attrition rate in our business is sky high. People come in and they get started. But for some reason or other, it doesn't work out. Right. And I kind of have my own ideas about that. But I wouldn't be here if it weren't for him because he had been working diligently for 30 years in this business before I showed up to intern with him and then to work with him. So the benefit I had uh, in that was that he had a book of business that was 30 years old. And a lot of those clients, they just, you know, me being in there and calling and, and getting people into the office, the business started to grow and him being there to, to walk me through not only what it is to be a financial advisor and to work with families, but to do it specifically here in Fort Worth. He taught me so many lessons about how you do business in Fort Worth and how to conduct yourself. So any talk, success talk, I've ever talk, had in my talk life. Talk about that, you know. right? So I know the audience, and we've got all kinds of different people that have come on here, and everybody references Fort Worth, and people that are from the area understand what that means. But people outside the Metroplex, what does that mean? Like people hear that and they go, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Doing business in Fort Worth, relationship town, because we're the 12th largest city in the United States. So we're like the largest small town feel ever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So talk about that. They're just the relationships and what the people are like here compared to everybody else. Well, I mean, just sort of sharing my experience is, is, is how I'll talk about it. I mean, and, you know, one great example is our relationship, right? How, how did we meet? I remember how we met. You, yeah. want, me, you want me to share that story? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So we were at uh, the Fort Worth Club, which we, we all love, but it was a fight night. And, uh, Everybody's, November of 13. Everybody's gathering, you know, for the, the, the happy hour and all that stuff before they open up the doors and you get to see all that cool stuff. And there's a group of people there and, and we're just standing in the same group. And I think just through a, a sentence or some conversation, I responded with good to go. And you kind of gave me this look and you're like, 
devil dog? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, uh-huh. And then it was just like, it just exploded from there. And then, you know, that's how we got acquainted. And then it was, hey, Patcher, what are you doing? I'm hosting a charity event at the Fort Worth Club. And I'd like for you to be there. And that was the uh, first iteration of the- Which was really, I want you to write a check. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, well, when I got off the elevator and I saw the, the line around the corner, I started helping usher people to tables. You oh, know, man. You needed help there. But that, uh, first, that first event was just, oh, it was right. so horrible. So when yeah. I just think, you know, in a microcosm of what Fort Worth is relation, I think about our connection and how those things happen and how that has blossomed. I mean, even us sitting here today. But you think about the, the joint connections we have through Cowtown, uh, through professional uh, relationships, and then through other friendships. The tentacles just go out everywhere. And if you're paying attention and you're talking to people and you're doing the right things, this city will open up and embrace you. And for the audience, what Tim is talking about with Cowtown Warriors is Tim and I met in November of 2013 and fight night is an annual event at the Fort Worth club, which is a guy's night out. And it's always funny because you can tell who the new person is. Cause they bring a girl with them. And you're, gonna, you're <laughs> like, well, look, that's a rookie mistake. Right. <laughs> and, and it, and it is a, it is a, a lot of cocktails involved. And as a matter of fact, it's always on a Monday, right? It's always on the first Monday of November every year. They bring in golden gloves, boxers, Play to dinner, whole nine yards, and another rookie mistake is if you have meetings the next morning. Yeah, no, calendars are always cleared on Tuesday. Oh, calendars are always cleared on the second Tuesday of yeah. November. And so, as Tim was talking about, I was walking by and I hear "good to go," and I was like, "Devil dog," and he's like, "Devil dog," <laughs> and you know, then we started eating crayons and you know, talking like you know, knucklehead language to each other to be able to go okay. And then it, this was also during the time when I had. I was putting the first event for Cowtown Warriors together where 100% of the money raised mm-hmm. goes straight to wounded, ill, and injured veterans. Actually, the first year was going to go to the wounded, uh, wounded Warrior Regiment. of the. It was an active duty unit right. for the Marine Corps where we had folks that had been blown up, hurt, and everything else. And you were basically voluntold you were going to have this event. Yeah, right? so yeah. I was a part of uh, another group of Marines over there in Dallas called Metroplex Marines, mm-hmm. Mike McCollum. And, uh, and so... Mike and Tony and Frank and Mitch and General Kerry, they were like, yeah, you know, I'm surprised Fort Worth doesn't have an annual veterans event. And these are all incredible Americans. Incredible, oh, man, these are, these, people, are, yeah. these, are, these are guys that are incredible war heroes. I mean, they are just career-driven, and, and they're just good people. And General Kerry... I mean, man, he was not only in Vietnam, he was in Korea and I mean, three retired three star general. He was at the Chosen Reservoir. And so we had been sitting around talking earlier in 2013 about, you know, why didn't Fort Worth have an annual event? And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, we should. I mean, they were like, yeah, you got Bell Helicopter, Lockheed, it's a patriotic town. And the next thing I know, it is like when you're the only former enlisted guy around a bunch of colonels and generals, their eyes slowly turned to me, and I got voluntold. And I looked at him, and I was like, hey, once a Marine, always a Marine, so why re-enlist? I don't have to do what y'all say. And then they gave me the look. You know the look I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And I was like, well, I guess I'm putting together an event. So leading up through 13, I had put this event together, and then right just prior to November, we were like 90 days out because oil was tanking. A lot of my sponsors were 
oil-related folks, energy-related folks, all my sponsors disappeared. Mm -hmm. So now I was going to have an event on January 18th of 2014, the first annual event, and now I've got no sponsors. So I was like, hey, so what are you doing January 18th? Like, I'm going to have this really cool event, and we're going to have some Marines. He's like, yeah, I want to come. And he's like, what do I need to do? And I was like, just write a check. (laughs) And then it was funny. So we have the event, and what Tim is alluding to is I had never put on a major event in my life. And from the out, other than the reception line, from the outside looking in, people thought that the event just went off spectacular. But actually, it was a complete shit show. Behind the curtains, right? I mean, people had no idea how stressed and I was just trying to put this stuff together. Like, if you remember, my buddy Mike Field had hooked me up with a friend of his out of Nashville who was a country singer that was supposed to come. And he called me 24 hours before the event and said, hey, my guitar player got sick. We're not coming. And then I had to express to him, if you're not here in 24 hours when this <laughs> event is over, you're going to find out what a Marine is. <laughs> so. Yeah. Anyhow, but after that first event is when Cowtown really grew legs and it grew and we attracted more Marines to be on the board. And what, you know, like Tim talks about is this town comes together where we raised 50000 our very first year. And then now we do like over 500000 in a single night, mm-hmm. right? So it's the town it's, it's that comes to a sellout event. Yeah. There's actually a waiting list to get a table to this thing. Right. Sure. And and then we are very fortunate. Now the event historically is on the last Saturday of February every year, which in 2020, thank goodness we had it on the last Saturday of February because three weeks later, the entire planet shut down and we were still able to make quite a bit of money and, and go from there. But as Tim talks about is this is where we started our relationship. He helped me build Cowtown. Actually, you know, it's funny. I just remembered this is we did a raffle. And if you bought X yes. amount of tickets, you got a gold ticket, and you could put the gold ticket in the box to get the condo in Maui that Kirk Driver's family had. Mm-hmm. And you won that. Because I remember I was like, because your name was written out, and I was like, where's Tim Hatcher? And you were over there standing in the door next to the, <laughs> next to the bar. You were like, you raised your glass. And I was like, Tim, you win the trip. And you raised your glass again. I think you may or may not have been a little off kilter at that point. So, it, it, yeah. It's hard not to be, but that was a uh, – I remember that, and it was a great trip. We, we had a wonderful time. And, and I think a couple of years, at least uh, in subsequent balls, I have – my name has appeared on the list of top ticket buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, I've yeah. got a problem with raffle tickets. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, it's, 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 it's an issue. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, uh, you know, going back to Cowtown, that was – the timing of that couldn't have been better for me. You know, we, we talk about relationships, and – when I got out of the Marine Corps, it was in February of 02. I had done my five years and made a promise I was going to go back to college. But when I was there at, at TCU at that time, the veteran population was very low, right? Yeah, because they're all deployed, right? Yeah, it, it was very low. So, uh, it, it, you know, even shortly after I got out of the service, it, it felt like it was just like deep history to me, right? Something in the past. And then when I got to where I, I was working at, at AXA at the time, um, there wasn't a lot of veterans there. And so I'd really just started to pull apart from my whole Marine Corps culture. And I didn't even know how much I missed it until the Cowtown board started forming. Right. And, you know, I was one of the first people on that board invited by you and we, we built that thing out. But as I got to know you more and, and Andy Vanway, Richard Wegner, James Korth, I mean, Clint, Clint Ludwig, Clint Weber, you, James, the list goes on and on and on. But what's so special about that for me was I didn't even know I needed that in my life to be around these these brothers again that were 
it had been through, we had so many common, you know, connections, but to see them moving forward and, and getting in school and, and getting advanced degrees and starting businesses, getting all that back together just filled, you know, just really filled my heart. And it was just something that I didn't even know I needed in my life, but talk about uplifting. And just through all those relationships, the tentacles just keep going out and out and out. And so if I could just say thanks, Fort Worth, because you've been great to me. And a lot goes to you and everybody that's helped mentor me and and make sure that uh, I knew the ropes on how to live and exist here in this town. And it's been great. And and I tell you, the Fort Worth Club, I think, is like, I always refer to it as the networking mecca of Fort Worth, right? right? Like you can be members at all the other country clubs, but Fort Worth Club in downtown with, I think it's like 150 years of history that it's been around or however long it is. And, and, and it really is, has helped you, helped me, helped you as well develop relationships where you're my wealth manager I met at the Fort Worth Club. My defense attorney that I keep on speed dial because you never know if you need one met at the Fort Worth Club. My civil civil attorney, Donald Kiskowski, met at the Fort Worth. I mean, it just everybody that is in my influential sphere, I've met at the Fort Worth Club, and they've evolved from drinking buddies to meaningful relationships to trusted advisors, mm-hmm. right? Sure. And, and you are one of those trusted advisors for me in that actually you are in – I, I often on this show refer to two buckets of people that I keep. One, my financial bucket, which is, you know, the CPA, the lawyers, you, banker, and all that. And y'all's function is to, I'll go make the money, y'all take care of the money. Mm-hmm. And then I have my advisory circle, which are people that are not real estate industry specific, that I, I, I always want to get out of my way in blind spots, right? So mm-hmm. getting y'all's Absolutely. perspective whenever I'm, facing a challenge or thinking about scaling something or going to the next level. And Tim plays a part of one of the, what I call my fave five of like, Hey, am I looking at this right? Or am I being dumb? And Tim likes to say, no, you're being dumb. You shouldn't do that. And, and so that's, so Tim is the only person in both of those circles that has a foot in each one of them that we feel really truly look after our interests. And so I really appreciate because Laura, having a trusted relationship, you know, with someone that looks after our interests is very, very important to her because she's, you know, Laura, people don't realize how introverted Laura really is. Mm -hmm. Laura is actually an extreme introvert. But being that she's been in real estate for over 20 years, people people don't realize that. And so for her to go, no, Tim's our person. And then when, you know, I want to make a financial decision and she's like, what Tim say? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, great. I got to call and ask Tim's permission, you know. And <laughs> I, I, I much prefer working with with Laura for sure. No, that's no. the common theme of everybody comes on here. Yeah. They're like, we really don't know what you do, Spin. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I, and I appreciate you saying that. You know about how kind of I fall in both circles, and you know, back back to relationships. We've known each other for a while, and we know about some of the challenges we faced, right, in, in the past, and you know that we always know there's going to be headwinds in the future. And I remember there was. Uh, you know, some stuff that went down years ago that I felt bad, you know, I mean, the way things unfolded. But I had, I think I mentioned it to you on Monday when we had a conversation. I made a promise to myself a long time ago that I had to open my mouth. You know, if somebody that I love and care about that is out there, you know, kicking down doors, getting after it every day, you know, moving forward, you know, we're out there getting things done. But when you mentioned those blind spots, right, we have to, we have to look outside of, you know, that echo chamber we can get in. 
And so what I love about our relationship and everybody else in that Cowtown board is the trust we have with each other to say, hey, I am happy for your success and I want to see you grow and move forward. But have you thought about this? Mm -hmm. Are you covering this? Right. It's about protecting each other as well. Right. It's protecting yeah. other, protecting our livelihoods, our partners, our families and making sure that we've got those blind spots covered as best we can. And we have to play devil's advocate off for each other. Right. And challenge each other. Right. And say, hey, are, are, even if you can do that, is it the right thing for you? Is that what's going to be good for your life? Because what I know about you is, you know, you, you and Laura are, are wildly successful, but you're, you're so growth oriented. Your mindset is towards growth like mine is, like my partners and team are, right? But with that, we have to make sure we're doing it appropriately for the right reasons, right? Because you have a lot of flexibility in your life. I, I do as well in, in mine, but we work hard and we've worked hard and sacrificed for that, that privilege. So we got to protect that and it's protecting each other. And when we see stuff going on, good or bad, you know, what I love is that we have the, the, the trust to be able to call each other and say, what's going on? What's what? Talk to me about this, right? And, and I just... That's important. Yeah, it is important to have someone that's going to tell you what time it is, mm -hmm. even though you don't want to know what time it is. Sure. Right. And yeah. and that is important. And, and it is important to have trusted relationships, to have those conversations that you probably didn't want to go have, but you need to have because that's what we're there for. We love and we care about each other, that we want to be each other to be successful. And we want to make sure those blind spots are covered because you and I – you know, without bringing up specific examples, also have in common is we've dealt with some challenges sure. in business, right? Where there are things you can control, there are things you cannot control. And then there's that, man, this is really scary right now, right? And, and it's terrifying. And which really, this is this is what I've come to. I, I appreciate, you know, I, I don't want you as someone I care about to go through any pain, but I can really appreciate that you've gone through pain. Sure. Because you're able to, like, how many times you would call me and go, hey, uh, man, I know you've been through this, mm -hmm. right? Because you, you, you've experienced that same amount of pain to get to where we are now, right? And, and, it, and it's because of that pain that I think helped made us better at what we are. Without, without a doubt, I, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, specifically what you're talking about is, you know, we, we've been aligned with other people, you know, in, in your profession as well as my profession, you know, teams form for, for beneficial reasons, right? People have their roles and responsibilities and, and teams come together so that we can operate more efficiently and, and lead, lead better lives and most importantly, serve the people that trust us, you know, with money or to help them purchase a home or sell a business, whatever it is, you know, we, we come together so we can better serve those people, right? Those are the people that, you know, make my existence possible and, and, I, and I love them for it. But as these teams come together, problems can arise, right? Mm -hmm. And partnership disputes can come out of nowhere. And for, I mean, there's a million reasons why partnerships can have issues and it's not it's not always because the business isn't doing well, you know, it's just people's lives change. People grow, people need to move in different directions. And as we go through this stuff and you start figuring out what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, you know, sometimes there's, there's challenges and, and tugs that, that can occur. And, and what I will say that, you know, we don't need to get into all the details, but 
uh, from a business perspective, you know, from what I see as, as a advisor and a planner that works with a lot of entrepreneurs and, and people that have smaller businesses, right? If you have the privilege and opportunity to come together with people you love and care about to start a business, to start a service company, whatever it is, something closely held, where there's just a, a few partners there. If that opportunity presents itself, one of the most important steps you can take is to get a good attorney, a good Donald, right? A good Justin Malone, who has been instrumental in helping me to, to get the paperwork right. You know, we talk about, you know, there's operating agreements, there's partnership agreements, there's non-disclosure, non all these things that exist and they're scary and they're written for lawyers, by lawyers, and we hate wading through this stuff. But one of the important lessons I learned, I mean, I've learned so many lessons and, you know, really a lot about addressing my mindset and how I need to approach things and whatnot. But for people that are out there starting businesses and going into this, you know, we, we want to go in and we're excited, right? So we get the ball rolling and all of a sudden you look up and say, hey, we'll get to that, we'll get to that, we'll get to that. Having that stuff beforehand is so critical. And what I, I think I often see is when people think about, hey, we're going to form a partnership where it's two, three or four people and there's going to be an agreement and here's how things are going to work. I think we're sort of conditioned to say, well, it's a negotiation of sorts. So I need to go in there. And I, need, I need to hammer. Right. I need to do what's 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 best for me. And, and I will tell you from my experience and I, I've worked with so many great people, but where we are now through our evolution and, and through our independent practice right now, we, you know, we have a registered investment advisory firm as fiduciaries and pure water capital. It's great. And, and my two, my partners, Austin Berry, Corey Scott and Kelly Atkinson, who's been with me forever. Love, um, love, love Kelly. Ir irreplaceable. Dude, if me. you didn't have Kelly, you would literally be a lost puppy. I, I would, I wouldn't know what to do. But when, the point I was getting at is when we came together and this opportunity arose, because I've known these guys for, I met Corey at TCU. We all worked together with the big firm at AXA, which was phenomenal to me. Corey went to another big, big shop. And so we, we took 10, 12, 13 years to, to really learn this landscape, right? And, and go through some things. All, all of us had been through some things with, with former partners. So when we came together and we're talking about what our agreement was going to look like, we went in with a totally different mindset, which was we know the bad things that can happen and the toll it takes on you physically, the toll it can take on you mentally. And that stuff doesn't stay at the office. It goes home with you. So now you're dragging your family into it, right? So when we came together, our mindset was how do we protect each other? We've all been out growing financial advisory practices and, and, and our clients love us and they, 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 they came, right? They, they came with us. And so we took that and say, first and foremost, if this doesn't work out, let's protect the relationship. And how we're going to do that is make sure that because we're forming, if this doesn't work out, you're going to be able to go and have a life somewhere else. And we're not going to fight about this and that. Those documents protect relationships. And I can tell you that one of the most disheartening things about the, the little situation that I went through was that a, a, a person that I care about and love very much, that relationship is, could be irreparably damaged. You know, just when you get attorneys involved, things just sort of devolve. And that's one of the most disappointing things to me. And when you think about small businesses, right, even the people that come into your organization, who do we want to work with? We want to work with people that we like that we trust, we care about, they become family. 
And if that's important to you, approach that document and that agreement with that mindset to say, listen, we're going to grow this deal together. And there's going to be some financial uh, things that are going to have to make sense for everybody. But let's go in this with the spirit of open-mindedness, caring for each other, and, and making sure that when this deal is together, it's for the right reasons with the right people, and that we are there to protect each other, the business, but also make sure that when life changes, somebody's not going to get punted off the map. And so... Uh, one small piece of advice, and I know there's all kinds of situations where that's not possible, but for organizations like mine, given our size, organizations like yours, given your size, you guys have some discretion on how you guys operate together and do that right because it's going to save time, it is going to save money, and it's going to protect the relationships of the people you love and care about. Man, there's so much truth to that because my particular situation is five years ago this coming up august and then now i'm working on a significantly large deal that would close this august five years later mm -hmm. and it in both of these situations involve a large amount of trust in relationship for both scenarios mm -hmm. right and what i learned out of five years ago because the because I didn't do all the right paperwork, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just like fences make good neighbors, contracts make good business deals. It removes the ambiguity. You go to paragraph two, you, you, line three, this is what it says. You've got you've got a roadmap. In absence yeah. of that, things get hairy. Very, they get very, they get very yeah. hairy. And and I was willing to sign whatever, whenever, and do whatever, whenever, because of the love and the admiration that I had for this person five years ago. Like I literally thought this person was like deity status. Like if I learned that there was not a God, then this guy was God. Right? I, I remember that as clear as day, not that portion of it, but yeah. just every fiber of your being at that time, you were all in. Your excitement level was so high. You were, you were coming off the, the MBA program, right? I mean, you were ready. You're like, hey, I am unleashed now. And you had spent years and, you know, building your, your, your social capital and that network and, and those relationships. And I just remember how excited you were to get out and attack, you know, something with, with that much vigor. And I mean, you were all yeah. in. I, I remember. Oh, that. man. And I mean, there was no one that carried the flag more than I did. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there was not, I mean, you know, he could tell me that the sky was red and I would believe it. And as it turns out, that's what they were doing. They were, telling BS. But I do, you know, and but that was the unfortunate part of it because when this thing dissolved, anytime that person's name and my name came up in a conversation together, mm -hmm. I knew it was going to cost me five grand. Mm -hmm. Because now, like you said, lawyers are involved, multiple lawyers, multiple entities. This thing was just a mess. And my lawyers are doing what they're doing. They were protecting me from all of this. Like, like probably one of the most comforting feelings out of the deal was, and this was, and man, this was thing. These things never go away in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, man. These things drag out years and years. It's incredible. Oh man, and 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 so, but when the lawyer from the SEC had told my lawyer, mm. no, we have absolutely come to the conclusion that Span literally had no idea that this guy didn't even have a chance 
you know, he was just doing what he thought was right and following the people that he thought was right. And just hearing the SEC lawyer tell my lawyer that after a couple of years, which is what I really wanted to go out and tell the free world. But, you know, when you're paying a lawyer, you can't go speak on your behalf. Right. And it is disheartening because you're getting attacked publicly on social media and everything else. And you just want to go look at people and go, you have no idea. And so to hear that from the SEC investigator to my attorney was like, yes, absolutely. Did it really take us two years to get to this point for you all to see? I had no idea, but I still couldn't go speak on my own behalf. But because of all that experience, but I'm telling you is, I think that was one of the reasons why, aside from the things that this other person did, is probably the biggest heartbreaking thing is because I came to associate his name with a major cost every time his name and my name were in the same sentence. Mm -hmm. I mean, as soon as I would get a phone call or a text or a a social media post, I would go, well, I'm going to get a call from Donald and that's going to be a $5,000 invoice because now he's got to go to talk to their attorneys and we got to da, da, da. and then when you when you have more than one set of attorneys involved for multiple parties, that is not a quick cheap conversation. Sure. And so it just it became wearing me down that that was one of the things. So now, fast forward, we're coming up on this deal. The deal could close, could not close. I mean, if there's anything I've learned is until the ink is dry and money's been deposited and keys have been turned over, nothing's real. And But one of the things that me and the party that are involved, because we also have a very close relationship, trusted relationship is, I'm like, everything's got to be laid out on paper because I don't want to go through this again. I want it to be that if you're out of line, we refer to the document. If I'm out of line, we refer to the document. But the document dictates because the document ensures that we keep our relationship together. Sure. Because I don't want to experience that again. But I wouldn't know to ask all the right questions and do all the right things now had I not experienced that very painful experience, right? The lessons learned by going through something like that, if you're an entrepreneur or or a small business owner, are, are invaluable. They, they really are because, you know, you know how to approach things, you know, better moving forward. You know, I, I will say when, when you sort of get past those things, you know, you, you used a word before. I think, I think you said terrifying, right? There are some of these things that if you're not exposed to them, right, like I've never been involved in anything like, r- remotely that, you know, just – the visceral feeling you get when, when somebody says, hey, you know, you've been served and, and you know, the, the, you're blindsided, you, your head is spinning and, you know, our, our minds mine and, you know, you, you try to train it, but goes to a negative and dark place very, very quickly. Right. You start doubting and questioning a, a lot of things. But, you know, I, I still take a lot of solace in that, you know, the way I approach my life, my business is if you're doing the right things for the right reason, you know, I don't have to remember anything, you know think things are going to work out. And that's what I learned a lot about over this time. And I, I learned to sort of wear that challenge with a badge of honor, because to me, what it also means is that I have skin in the game, right? You have skin in the game. We have something at risk. And I can tell you that a lot of my clients that understand that that's what they want, right? They want to know that the people that they work with, associate with, and trust that they've got skin in the game. And they've got something at risk. And, and so you sort of wear that, you start to wear that with a badge of honor saying, listen, I've had to deal with these things. You learn to navigate them. You learn to make sure your, your, your mind is in the right place and rely on your network. And, uh, you know, people can say there's all kinds of funny uh, attorney jokes, but I tell you, uh, my attorney, uh, Justin Malone has been just absolutely phenomenal 
not not just in, in navigating you know the, the the complexities of just legal work, but how he has handled me. Right, people come to me and my team for financial planning to map out their future and how do we educate our kids and how do I manage this money to make sure I I, I never run out. And when you're dealing with people in money and it's their livelihood, it's their kids' education. We shoot real bullets. I mean, we t- there's nothing that we take more seriously. I have to work with people because there's so many things outside of my control, right? Markets are going to go up. Markets are going to go down. Uh, a president's going to tweet something and it's going to move. Or Elon Musk is going to say something about cryptocurrency. And, you know, th- these markets move quickly and for many different reasons now. And it becomes more chaotic and complex. So I know I, how I have to work with a lot of my clients to make sure that they're okay, right? And we have a system and process to do that. What I found was over time, my attorney, as he got to know me more and my personality more, I realized he was doing the same thing to me. Right? <laughs> it's like, I was like, why hasn't he given me this? But I realized he's turning over to me things on time, like when I need it, because he knows that, hey, Tim's got a life to live. He's got a business to, to, to grow. He's got a family. He's got to be at soccer practice and tournaments and tennis and f- fishing, whatever else it is. And so people make jokes about lawyers when I was saying, um, when you need them, I- invaluable. You know, and and Justin's earned every penny. You yeah. know, I really will, and and not just because of the complaint, just the way that he has helped me get through. You know that thing. Yeah. You know that ultimately is, is nothing about nothing, but you go through that process, and, and right, it's a, it's a twenty month process, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> at and, least and, at least right, yeah. and, and you know that's that's on, on on a short end. So yeah, all those all those things are important, and then you know as you move forward, you start aligning yourself with. You know, the right people seem to stay in your orbit. Yeah. When my new team came together, I worked with these guys. I met Corey at TCU and worked with both Austin and Corey at, at AXA, and Kelly was with me at AXA. But even when they went their own separate ways, for some reason, we all just stayed in each other's orbit. And you don't know why. It's just those relationships, those connections. And then when all the stars aligned for some crazy reason, we looked at them and said, we have an opportunity to, to get this band back together. And given our shared experiences and past, when it comes together, we know what we don't want. And we know also now what we want and how this thing's going to be structured and how we're going to work with our clients and what they're going to get and what we're going to deliver. And when sometimes you will never get to that place if you don't go through, if you don't go through that misery, you don't go through that hell. Cause it's, it's just in those times where if your eyes are open enough and you can manage your mindset and you're looking for them, those doors open and they come together and then to be in a city that just opens and embraces it. And, and, and I get to work with world-class people and world-class clients and, and people that, you know, trust us. It's, it's been an amazing thing. Yeah. And, and, and there's something to be said about these orbits, right? So just like us, when, when it started off, it was just Laura and I, you know, coming up on five years ago, you know, for Sotheby's and then, you know, Prior to Sotheby's buying Laura and her mom's company, Michelle had worked for them when it was Miravista Realtors and then evolving and bringing Michelle onto the team because we knew what her capabilities were because she's demonstrated them. We knew that we could trust her and she could be a trusted element to the team. And then the same thing with Lynn, working with Lynn at Sotheby's and Lynn had left Sotheby's and then after she had been gone, for a bit, you know, to be able to 
circle back around and be like, hey, would you ever be interested in coming back over here, but in a different capacity working with us? And then now most recently adding James Peterson, who, who, you know, been a part of Cowtown Warriors is now currently now the president of Cowtown Warriors. And 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 building these relationships of what you know you can get out of and what you trust. Although his running joke when we're introducing new clients is, "What is everybody's role and function?" James goes, "I'm here to learn and for Span to yell at me." Mm-hmm. And then when he gets to me, I was like, "My job is client development, research and development, and to yell at James." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so, and actually, it was really funny is. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's drinking from a water hose right now, fire sure. hose, right? Sure. And as a matter of fact, it was funny. I, I, I walked in the house yesterday and I finally get home at like 7.30, right? And, and Laura's laughing. She was like, yeah, you should have seen it. Like we're hitting James with so many things. She goes, I physically watched his eyes roll back into the back of his head because he was just like, man, I got to go outside and walk <laughs> for like 10 minutes. He goes, man, you guys have made this look so easy for so long that in the last six weeks, he's seen, he's like, I don't know how y'all make this look easy to the rest of the world because there are so many moving parts. There's so many complexities. He was like, that you guys have operated like a well-oiled machine where our processes of procedures allow us to not miss things. And, and it's kind of funny is we've got a recent client that is a listing and this was a past client of Laura's. And when you get to a certain point, you and I were talking about this the other day, is we can, we can get exclusive now, right? We don't just have to take business to take business. We take business that we want, people sure. that want to trust us and we want to trust them. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody's going to act like an ass clown, then they get fired as an ass clown, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, listen, if you're, if you're going to treat my team this way, you're out, sure. right? Like, like, yeah. like, listen, I like and enjoy making money, but your money does not mean something to me where you can treat my team the way we have in person treating our team right now. And so when the first incident pops up, it's like, hey, I get it. This can be stressful, but you need to put yourself in check because we are murdering ourselves for you. So that does not give you the right to treat our team this way. Mm -hmm. When it happened a second time, then I I told Laura, I said, yep, it's going to be time to fire him. And I went, hold on, actually. Let's not fire them as a client because I need Peterson to see and understand what it's like to work with someone that doesn't treat you the way you should be treated. Sure. So I, I, I needed him to get that perspective. So that's the only reason we have not just completely just fired this client because I wanted Peterson to be in there and see this is what happens if you just go find business to find business is this is what happens to the team. The, tra- the team just gets wrecked. Because you pick someone based on money, not based on relationship. And so now he's really seen it. And he's just like, man, why, what is this guy's deal? And I said, I, I don't know. Maybe he's just wired this way. Maybe this is how he performs under stress. But I need you to take all this in. So that way, as you go out and start developing clients, if someone looks like remotely they're going to act like this around our team, it's okay to look at him and say, we're not going to be a fit to work with each other. Absolutely agree. And, you know, we, we kind of talked about that a little bit on, on Monday. And, you know, we're, we're both very, very, very blessed and, and privileged and it, not without a lot of hard work, but we're both, our businesses are both at a place where we don't have to take all comers. And our business is 100% referral based, right? And, and you've been a, an integral part of that. So when, when new, new folks come in, you know, a lot of times th- those barriers are down when we start that conversation. But before they come in, you know, if we have a, a quick phone call, you know, I, I tell them, 
whether you have or you don't have experience working with financial advisors, you know, irrespective, bring your toughest questions. If you have any skepticism, doubts, concerns, something you've, you've read, bring me your toughest questions. Because in this first meeting, you are interviewing me, but I'm also, you know, counter interviewing you. Because when you set up as a boutique financial services firm in Fort Worth, right, we don't have enough room on our boat, you know, for a thousand clients. I mean, we can do that, but we would just add on new advisors and scale and scale model. and scale. Yeah. You know, and, and it may be in the future, but for right now, you know, what we're doing, that's that's not our model. So we're, we're here as a, a boutique firm. We don't have enough room and we don't have enough time in the day to, to deal with, with, you know, if we can't give somebody what they need, right? Mm-hmm. I can say we don't have time to deal with problematic clients, but I also feel like oftentimes it's, hey, how can we communicate to figure out what the issue is? And, you know, I want to try and, and get them what they need. But if it becomes, you know, chronic, right, when you, you've got a challenge with somebody, you have to have those conversations where, hey, we're, maybe we're just not a good fit. We just we just don't jive. And so that's a wonderful place uh, to be. And, you know, I've really enjoyed seeing you and Laura and along with her mom too, right? She's been a critical part of, of, of y'all's foundation. But watching y'all grow and this comment about James like coming in, it's like I've been to your home office where you have the walls painted <laughs> with the so the thing. Yeah, I've I've yeah. seen that where it was at the same time you're you're going through I don't know how many houses, but then here's the whole Cowtown Warrior seating list and everything, and it's like. It goes in there and, and it looks crazy. And your world, like our world, when things are moving, there are so many moving parts. And it to to somebody that's not in that world, it is chaotic. And it is chaotic. It gets it's it's never easy, but it gets easier. And I've watched you guys set up systems and processes and build your team slowly over time. And so when I see some of your social media posts and you're in Colorado or you're on a hike and you're doing something awesome. I know that you've intentionally set that time aside to do that, to be present there. But in the back, you guys are working your tails off, but you're able to elevate your life because of the time you took to build these systems and processes. And and our team is the same way, right? That's the only thing you can do. It's the only thing you you really can do if you want a, a life because your career like mine if we let it, can completely consume us. And I don't have a job. You don't have a job. And I, I share this with my clients. This is just my life, mm-hmm. right? It's my life. It is not nine to five and it's not Monday through Friday. You know, my clients know if something goes on in the weekend and they need me, they they call my cell phone. So it's my life. But with that, that's why those relationships with their clients are so important because they know boundaries to set. I know if somebody calls me on a weekend, they don't want to. It's because something's up and I'm picking up that phone. So it's not a job. It's your life. So without those processes and systems and those people that we partner with and, and bring on, none of this exists, right? I mean, I'll tell you from the Marine Corps to TCU to being in this business, none of my success was on my own. The mentors and the leadership that I've been exposed to from the Marine Corps to, to Axis, Larry Wicker, Miles Sawyer Wicker, Ricky Baker, Frank Tyler, Douglas, on and on and on. Chris Noon and Jeff Moore. We were exposed to world-class training, you know, back to how to get on, you know, mm-hmm. get on the telephone and, and, and set an opening meeting and then how to bring somebody in and, you know, help usher somebody through the process, right? I wouldn't 
none of my success I attribute to myself. It's it's because I've had great people uh, mentoring me and and pushing me and oftentimes pulling me. That's sometimes pulling me forward, right? Yeah, and and you bring you touch a really good point in that it it it's not a nine to five. It consumes us, right? That's why literally I tell Peterson on a daily basis: if you don't control your time, other people and other things will control it for you. Without a doubt, right? You without you a doubt. you have to have in layers to do this, right? And something that you also have to be aware of is the bigger the deal the bigger like you talk about skin in the game and it also exposes things more of what you're not in control of right like this mm. large deal that you and I are, you know, have talked about that I'm, that I'm working on is <laughs> Laura's like man I have never seen you more stressed and I'm stressed not because anything's going wrong with the deal actually I think the deal is going Pre- relatively smooth all things considered because there's a lot of complexities to this from both sides not that either side was trying to make it complex there's just some complexities that are just there sure and there's some things that are outside of my control where i am a high sense of urgency type a winner player that to be patient right and to respond not react uh-huh. Not be emotional, be logical, really slow down enough to think through things. That's what's causing this heartburn that is ripping a hole in my chest. I had to stop by and get some heartburn medicine last night. Laura's like, you all right? And I was just like, man, just there's so many things I want to say. But just because you want to say something doesn't mean you need to say something. Especially right? you. Oh, man, because you – if there's anything I think we can agree on, it still needs a lot of work, but I've gotten better about my filter, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I remember you, you, you would come to me a lot when we were really growing Cowtown and the board was forming. And you had approached the edge on a, a couple of times. Yeah. And you know, I think what a lot of people in that boardroom kind of looked at me – for was sort of calm span down, <laughs> calm, calm span down, but really sort of being being a moderator at times, right? Where you, you yeah. said, you know, you just said something where not get emotional, be logical. You know, I, I get that, but I'll challenge you there because I kind of operate in this assumption: you know, human beings are not rational creatures. Mm-mm. We can get to rationality, right? But when something, we get some sort of stimulus, right? We see something, we read a, new, read a news article, we see a picture that you're going to have an emotional, sometimes a visceral reaction, right? You're, you, your mind's going to go one way and you're, there's going to be an emotional reaction. That's what it starts. And then for me, I understand that about myself very well. I'm a highly emotional person. Even though sometimes I don't come, I'm highly emotional. I internalize things. I worry. I mean, these are things that I'm always working on, but I've really come to just accept them. But I know that I'm going to get emotional. So what do I not do? Open my mouth. I'm that guy that if there's a blow up in the, in the, in the boardroom, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to be looking at everybody's body language, the, the, the words that are coming out of certain people's mouth, why, you know, how they're, how they're doing that. And I'm going to take a day. I'm going to take two days and then I'm going to get back with people once I've had a chance to sort of settle my emotions down and then thinking through it and thinking through some thought processes and then, you know, adding my input. So I'll always go emotional first. And so just through understanding that about me, I, I, I wait before I, I just react because I will get myself in trouble. And 
through some of these things, you know, you realize the, the highest, I, I guess the highest percent of chance of you to really do something stupid is when you're in that emotional state. Yeah. When you're in you, that you, reactionary you feel like, state. Yeah. You feel like I got it. You know, whether it's retaliate, whatever that feeling is, you feel like you have to act on. I, I uh, work to not doing that. Yeah. And it's, it's really funny is two years ago, you know, cause I always have these little themes that I go by. Right. And mine starting two years ago was respond, don't react. Now it doesn't mean that I respond every time and don't ever have that reaction. Right. Because there are some things that will just flip that switch on me. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, I, but I've, become better, right? And that's the only thing we can do is always try to strive to be better. But going back to something else you said is it's not a nine to five. We're always connected to this thing, which is like for for me, right? I, I, I live and die by a cell phone. I cleared all my messages before I came in here. It's right. a terrible way to live. It is. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait to get away from this thing. So So look at this. Just since I've been in here, I've got 59 missed emails, 43 missed text messages, and 15 missed calls, right? And we've been in here for an hour. All that means to me is you've had systems and processes. That doesn't happen unless you are being productive. That's your pipeline. Yeah, Yeah. That's your pipeline right there, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, but with that is I have to get away from this cell phone. Absolutely. Right. You have to. Like you like to go down the coast and go fishing because when you're out there on that boat, there is no cell phone. Reception. I like to go anywhere and go fishing. I mean, <laughs> ne- 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 next Friday, I'm, I'm going off the grid for a week. That's right. Next yeah. Friday, and we're yeah. going to talk. We're going we're to come back and talk to. Them. But one of the things Laura and I do is we like to go like backpacking up into the mountains mm-hmm. where there's no reception and anything else, and be gone for like 24, 48, 36 hours. I'm talking about primitive camping, right? And we've got a few favorite spots that we like to go to up in Colorado. But even though we're trying to get away from the phone, because we are responsible for this business, I have to drop an extreme amount of money on a GPS system that can talk to a satellite that there's only a handful of people that have access to this that can send me a message no matter where I am on the planet in case something goes wrong. And I've told the people that have access to that, if this thing beeps, it better be because it needed to beep. Like, just don't do it because you don't know what color goes on something. Like, it needs it, to. Buddy, that's, but that's but you're always, that's you're never line, yeah. not married to it, right? Sure. You're never not married to sure. it. So, but we still try to put in some measures to be able to go escape and get away from things. Because even as extroverted as I am, even as high A as I am, I still don't always want to talk to people or respond to things or anything else. I just want to go, I just want to get away and let all this settle down. And I just need a little, you know, mental break from, from some of this, but you can also do things like go on a very cool trip that you're getting ready to go on. Tell you were telling me about this the other day and I'm telling you, Laura has not stopped talking about this. Mm. So talk, tell us about this cool trip that you're getting ready to go on. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So one of the things that, you know, I, I, I love to fish. Right. My father taught me how to fish. And when I got out of the core, it was living down in Rockport, had a little bay boat and learned the bay systems and it's redfish, trout and, you know, going out and wade fishing shorelines and really fell in love with fishing in, in starting around 2002. And I've been fortunate enough, you know, to be able to continue to go down to Rockport, but going into South America is, is my favorite 
thing. You know, we, we try to go, it got blown out last year and, and this year, but we like to go fishing for peacock bass in the Amazon, right? So we fly in, me and my dad, uh, uh, you know, Van Way went with me um, uh, one time and some of my dad's old expat buddies, but we fly into Manaus, Brazil, and then you either take a plane or some deal and you go out in the middle of nowhere and you're out there for a week off the grid fishing for this amazing species that just fights like a bull. And the world is just, just different. And, and I love the, I love that opportunity. I've done that trip in Brazil a couple of times, Venezuela a couple of times. My father and I went fishing in Kenya. He has a buddy there that's got some boats and we went on a great offshore fishing trip in Kenya. But this one I got coming up is with some six friends, this little mini high school reunion. And we're going on a boundary water canoe trip. I will tell you, I knew nothing about this, right? That's up in the northern part of the country, which I'm a saltwater. You know, I like I like the coast, right? But so what it is, right? We fly into Minnesota and we go to Ely or Eli. It's E-L-Y. I'm not even sure how it's pronounced. And you get an outfitter and, and you get canoes and you get gear and you buy permits. And we're going out into the 10,000 Lakes area for a week, and you portage canoes around and it's, it is a fishing trip for smallmouth bass, walleye, pike. I've never fished for any of that, but I'm so excited just to be there with these guys that I, you know, went to high school with, hadn't seen them in a long time. I get to do something I love, which is fishing and, you know, share that experience with them. And, and importantly, and all that stuff is when we go on those trips, it's we're, we're off the grid. You know, my, my team is here. My clients are going to know, but anymore, you absolutely have to do that. You know, in my mind, getting, there's all kinds of nice vacations and I love going to Mexico and being on a beach. That's my wife's preferred thing. We'll go skiing. Well, you know, those things are fun, but for me, getting out into the wilderness, mother nature disconnected is what you really need to kind of go get centered and, and think about things and have an amazing time. So, so yeah, I'm going up there. I don't know what to expect, but it's going to be, it's going to be an adventure and it's going to be great. So talk about what it's like to be able to actually get off the grid and you're okay with being able to do that because the team you have back here, you trust is going to handle everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I appreciate you asking that because, uh, in today's society, I mean, if you have your own business, I mean, the thought of just going dark for a week, a lot of, I mean, I think that would give a lot of people anxiety. I'm uh, getting anxiety just thinking about it. For me, I crave it. The, the, the worst part of it. And the only, the only reason the worst part of it for me is, you know, the day you come back in and you power up that cell phone and, you know, it just starts heating up, you know, just thinking about what's going to be coming through is what gives me anxiety. But when I go off the grid, we prep for that, my team, and because of my team and all of the people that I've worked with through over the years, they know my team, they know where to go. And I leave with no anxiety about that because of the people that I partner with and how much they care about all of our clients. It's not Tim's clients or Corey's clients. or It's our clients, right? We're all taking care of each other. So without them, I wouldn't be able to go power down and really enjoy it the way I do. And so that's, that's critical for me. And, and, and for me, life just wouldn't be nearly as enjoyable without being able to just power down, get off the grid and forget about all this nonsense that, yeah. that we're, that we're faced with on a daily basis. Yeah. And, and you've built something really special with your team that just offers a 
level of service that's above and beyond. And you've already talked about a part of it is when a, a new client comes in, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. But what is it? Let's say you both agree that you trust each other, you like each other, you want to work together. What does the client get then? Like, what is, what are, where do they go? I mean, like, what happens with them then? So, like, what an onboarding process yeah. looks like. Yeah. yeah. So, in my growing up in this business and working with, with Larry Wicker, you know, he managed assets, but he had another partner at the time who had passed away. His name's Greg Peterson, a phenomenal man, intelligent man. They were doing something at that time in Fort Worth, even though AXA was sort of a, a big insurance company at heart. They were doing a lot of planning, right? Mapping people's futures out. And the technology was, was a little older, but I really got started in that. So with Pure Water and, and what we do when clients come in, and we just sort of started this after years of seeing people kind of do it backwards sometimes, is they come in, we go through our spiel, and then it's like if they want to onboard, okay, we're starting with planning. We have to. If somebody wants to come in and just say, hey, here's X amount of dollars, please manage this for me. We have a real hesitation with that. And we don't we don't want to do that because then what are we doing? Chasing returns, right? So we start with the plan where whoever we're working with, the spouses, you know, who, whoever it is, they're going to come in and we're going to map out exactly where they are today, what they're doing, assets, liabilities, all this stuff. And we have one of the best technology stack I would say we have. So through that, it's just this educational process of sharing with clients, this is where you're at, and this is what you need to do going forward. This is how much you need to be saving. This is, these, are, these are the rates of return that we need to be targeting. This is how much risk you need to be taking. You know, how do we educate our kids? And so we start with that, and that really gets clients emotionally bought in. Right? It's like, this is your story. I tell clients, listen, I'm just the navigator of this plan. This is your story. So you have to tell me as accurately as this can be because the only way I can best help you is if I know more about you, what, what drives you, what your, what your triggers are. And this has to be clear. And once we go through that process and, and we get these, you know, their buckets figured out where they're going to be putting money, then we talk about how we would handle the investments, right? So the plan is what dictates investment strategy for us. And the reason that we believe that's important is I got started in this industry in uh, July of 2007, a few months of easy sailing before subprime mortgage came across the, you know, the news. And then it was financial markets crashing, real estate drying up, right? the, the, the credit crunch, right? Nobody would get a loan for a car or a home and they had to do first time home buyer credits and clash for clunkers and all this stuff. And I was just starting this business. So I had people coming in to see me that looked a lot like my mom and dad with the tatters of their 401k. They were sitting 100% in cash and they said, I lost 55% or 60%. How'd you do that? Well, they were doing something they shouldn't have been doing in their 401k, chasing the emerging markets fund that was the best performing asset class the years leading up to that. And then when the markets went down and that fund got hurt the worst, they had their emotional reaction. And what do people want to do when they see something bad happening or they experience pain? They want to stop that pain, right? So they go sell. And nobody rang the bell on March 9, 2009 saying, hey, now the markets are going to go up. And then you meet them in 2010 and 2011 and their accounts are still in cash. They didn't have any framework. They didn't have any, 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 any map to go back to to say, hey, even with this lick I took, what, you know, what needs to happen in order for me to be okay? So we start with the planning because – when things go wrong and they will 
inevitably go wrong. We're going to go through recessions and depressions, and there's going to be wars. There's always a reason to not Pandemics. invest in safe, <laughs> any anything, right? Yeah. So what we have found is that in order to keep clients moving forward on the right path, we have to have this plan. Because when these bad things happen, we go back to the plan and we're able to share with them, hey, this is how we recover. This is how you're going to get back to good. The weight comes off. You see them take that deep breath. If And if we don't have that framework, all they're receiving is data points, white noise, just the, the talking heads coming at them. And our brains just can't make sense of it. So with what we do now, it starts with planning. And with that plan, we set the goals. And with the goals, then we set the investment strategy that's appropriate for them. And it's it sounds very simple, like you said, when James said, how do you guys make this look so simple? Well, it's through years of working at that and creating the systems and processes and, and, and creating a storyline to walk clients through that's digestible and understandable and letting them know that it's a process, right? You don't come in and say, okay, I'm going to be good today. It's like, no, we said this is a process, right? But plan investments, and then we start taking care of everything else. We work with their attorneys, their CPAs. They're, they're on the team, right? We're just like you've experienced, right? You have a, you have an account with this one thing, but you're on the team, and all of our clients feel like like they're on the team. So I think that's what sets us uh, uh, apart a little bit is, is our focus on planning. And if I might, what's also very special about planning, and it's, you know, even somebody that you've recently referred to me, you know, for financial advisors to grow financial advisory practice, you're either selling, you know, insurance products or mutual funds or, you, or you're doing something. And we don't sell mutual funds or get commissions off anything like that. We're a fee-based firm now, right? A fiduciary. But you have to be being, you have to bring money through the door, right? If you're one of these big shops, you have to bring money through the door to keep your seat. Well, to do that, what you find is you give a lot of good work away for free. You know, when you're coming up in this business and anybody that can fog a mirror is a prospect for you and you're just trying to survive. But now as you grow and you have more time to think and, and be creative about how you want this this thing to work, you, you get to step away from that. So so having these systems and processes for clients to be able to di- digest this stuff and make sure that they don't step away from a good plan is critical. So back to what I was getting at. People will come to us now. And maybe they can't give us money, not because they don't have it, but a lot of people are employed by large corporations, right? And the retirement account is in their 401k and they've got great health benefits and they've got disability and, and group term life insurance. And, you know, maybe they have some stuff, but they're sort of our demographic, you know, you know, 35 to, you know, it goes on up, but they've got families, they want to educate their kids, they may have a rental house, they got a lot of stuff going on, and they want it to make sense. So people come to us also just for the planning, we don't even manage a dollar for them. And they pay us to map out their plan. And we get all their accounts linked, we see their whole picture, and we start giving them guidance and solutions, and then helping them execute on that. So that's really opened up a great new avenue for us business wise, where we're not giving away a bunch of work, for free betting on the come that somebody's going to sign on that line, which is dotted. If they want to work with us, I don't, if you can't give me money, it doesn't matter. We can still do great work and we're going to develop that relationship. And when something changes with our, with that person, they change jobs or they go into retirement and they need us to manage that for the rest of their life. We've already got it all built out. So that's a really beautiful process and really opened up another avenue for us to work with people, you know, people that can't come in and write the check to, you know, for their investment account. 
we get to do work with them on the planning and it's been invaluable and to get their feedback of, you know, I've been to so many other places and it feels like I'm just going through a sales process and everything they're doing is leading to like one, one answer. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm glad they got to experience that and then get to see the difference because people are smart now, you know, you and I, we're in commoditized businesses, right? I almost don't need to exist. You almost don't need to exist. Somebody can do open door. Somebody go to, can go to Betterment. They can go for sale by owner. They, they can go one of these big online platforms. They could do it themselves. And, and I always share this with my team and even my clients. We exist. Our team exists because our clients want us to exist, right? We're doing something for them that they can do, but they want to do other things. Spend time with who they love and care about. Go have adventures. And they want to know that they've got a team looking at that. So I realize that we are a commodity. So we've carved out our little niche to say, well, in a commoditized industry, but this is what you get from us. Here's here's what we bring to your life in many different ways. And it's been it, it's just opened up and exploded and been very, very rewarding. Yeah. And I and, you know, I was talking about this on another episode is I've got a friend that sends me quite a bit of business and. A couple months ago, he was like, man, yeah, I got another one coming to you, man. You know, I'm, this is great because, you know, I, I just want to see you get paid. And I had to tell him, I was like, man, well, I really appreciate that. I don't want you to send someone to me because they're your trusted relationship and you want to see me get paid. I want you to send someone because you're like, I want you to have the most trusted team that is the subject matter experts in real estate. That's what means something to me, right? And that and that is the importance of it. And we definitely got that from you when we sat down because Laura's a planner. Mm-hmm. Laura's the detail person. Me, I'm a three bullet points. Tell me what time it is, high level. And I was able to sit down and go, Tim, my goal, my plan is once I can get this per day, that allows me to retire. Right. Once I have this number, after taxes per day, I can choose to retire that day. Do whatever you need to do, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you had a bunch of questions, which you weren't going to get the answer out of me. Laura is the one to answer those. But even more, what, one of the things that I realized over the last couple of years that was also a, a nice, I think, competitive advantage that you guys provide is when you're in the, in, in the real estate investment world, and you really scale up to where you're not just going to get in a mortgage on a house to throw some tenants in. You're buying very complex, mm-hmm. you know, multifamily, multiple rental properties, commercial, so forth. It goes from it's part, hey, of, a, it's part of a portfolio. It's yeah, very much a part of portfolio, nice. but even more so is they don't go, hey, let's run your credit, see what your credit is. You elevate to something called a PFS, personal financial statement. Sure. And it's always nice to be able to go, hey, Tim, I'm going to take a run at this. I need these boxes filled out. And because you have our entire world, you're literally, and I'm not exaggerating, able to hit print and go, this is your net worth. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it goes from what you're you've, – you've, you've changed where you are in the game when you go from what your credit score is to what your net worth is. Mm-hmm. Right? When you go sure. from, hey, I can maybe afford a used vehicle – to you're an accredited investor, mm-hmm. right? And, and so that's been extremely helpful. And that's, and it relieves me of a lot of things that I need to worry about so that way I can stay hyper-focused on 
our team being the subject matter experts in what we do and continuing to establish, retain, and build trust with our clients. Sure. Yeah. You know, you said something there when you, when you said your buddy said, I'm referring you to somebody because I want to see you get paid. And it, it kind of gave you pause. And, and I really love that because that's something that, you know, my mentor, Larry, you know, taught me very, very early on. He's like, you know, in, in what we do, there's going to be times that you get paid a lot less than, than you should for, for the work you do. There's going to be times that you get paid a lot more. But if every day you consistently wake up, work hard, and do the right thing for people, it's all going to it's all going to even out. And so when that guy, you appreciate him wanting you to get paid, but when your mind gets to a point when, you, when you've been doing what we're doing for a while and you have successful businesses, it's like my first thought is I don't care about that. My first thought is I want to make sure this client is squared away. And that, you know, I'm doing for them what they expected and what they need and what's going to be beneficial for them. And if I can do that, everything else is going to work out. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I get a question a lot. It's like, well, what is your what is your ideal client look like? And or do you have an account minimum? And we've wrestled with that stuff, you know, having account minimums and whatnot. We could easily do that. But I have always sort of been against it, again, because another thing that my, my buddy Larry taught me and it's just – some of the things he's shared with me have always stayed with me. Uh, when I was interning, he's, we were having lunch at uh, Milan, the Vietnamese restaurant off of Belknap out there. Or, yes, or Hempel, I forget. We were sitting down. And he said, you know, Tim, I'm really good at finding millionaires. And I'm like, okay. He's like, do you know what that means? I was like, I mean, yeah, you're good at finding people that have a lot of money. He's like, no, it's not. He's like, Tim, this is not a get-rich-quick business. There are people that come out of the gate killing it, but not for me. I didn't have the network, right? I knew it was going to be a building process. So he said, what I mean by that is when somebody sits down with me after our first meeting, I'm going to know what they do. I'm going to know more about them, their family, their work ethic, what drives them, what's pushing them forward in life. And he's like, I know how to find millionaires. And when I saw him go through that process and I internalized a lot of that, it's the same thing today. I know that somebody could bring me nothing today. I do a plan or somebody bring me just a, you know, maybe a small investment account, but I look at them, I get to know them. And I say, listen, it may not be today. It might even be 10 years, maybe 20 years from now. But at some point, this person is going to be a very wealthy individual. And if I consistently get up, work hard, do the right things for the right reasons, that person is, is going to be coming f to our firm and they're going to be a client forever. So I'm also very good at finding millionaires. Make sense? Yeah. I mean, you got there overnight, right? <laughs> Just, I, mean, I, I woke up like this. I woke, I woke up like it. No, but you know, it, it's important because we, you know, people that support us, they want to see us do well, but we understand that that's that process and we have to give back. Yeah. Right. We, we have to give more than we take all the time for, for me, because that's just how this whole thing is really going to work out is you got You got to give more, more than you take. And I stole that like Brian, Brian Courtney over at the purple land management, Jesse, when they started purple land, you know, that was one of their key mantras, you know, you know, give more than you take. Yeah. And that that's been important for me. And I think human beings just pick up on that when, when they realize the person across from them actually cares. And am I allowed to use a curse word on here? Yeah. Free country. So, yeah, a lot of people, you know, be like, you know, so why why work with you guys or this somebody else? And you know, there's flowery elevator pitches and stuff that sounds great. I've thought about this for almost 15 years now, and it's like first and foremost, you have to give a shit. Yeah, I mean, flat out, you just have to give a shit about the people that are entrusting their their futures to you. 
buying a home. I mean, that's where they go to spend time with their family and relax in their sanctuary. And, you know, yeah, it, it culminates in a transaction, but you know that whole process and the emotions and everything involved, right? When people come to us to do this, it is, it, it's, it's just the most important thing in the world to me. And you just have to give a damn, first and foremost. All the other stuff will follow. But everyone on my team, I mean, I know how much they care. Kelly Atkinson cares so much about everybody. She will go above and beyond. And so people say, you know, why do I work with you? It's like, this may sound silly, but because I give a shit. Yeah. And you know as well as I do, this country has great realtors and great advisors, and they need a lot more because there's a lot of them out there that aren't really doing what they need to do uh, that's in their client's best interest. And when human beings sense that in you, things just open up and, and it's the right way to live life. You sleep better, you live better, uh, you treat your family better. That, that's how it has to happen. There, to me, there is no alternative. So I end every one of these with a, let's go back to 20 year old self. Not, not fully aware of, we would tell 20 year old self a million pieces of advice knowing what we know now. And also acknowledging that 20-year-old self would most likely not listen. But if you knew 20-year-old Tim Hatcher was willing to listen to one thing, to either do or don't do this, and it was just that one thing you could pick out of your encyclopedia of things you would tell 20-year-old Tim, what would you go back, turn the hands of time to tell 20-year-old Tim? Can I share two things? I mean, they, they, kind, sure. of, they kind of dovetail. The first thing I would tell myself is to chill out. So transitioning out of the Marine Corps and then finding myself going to community college in Corpus Christi, Texas, was a bit of a, a, a challenge, right? And I put a lot of pressure on myself because I was seeing my high school buddies. They were graduating college, starting careers. And here I was, I went to the Marine Corps, but now I'm, I'm back to basically square one in terms of how to navigate this other world, right? The quote, real world that I'm in. And I put so much pressure on myself and I felt that I was so far behind the curve that, I mean, it just really was emotionally a very challenging time. And I just beat myself up constantly. And, you know, that's part of kind of what gets ingrained with us, uh, into us in, in, in the core, right? Is you, you work hard and you're going to get rewarded and, you know, those things. So I, I beat myself a lot. So I, I would tell myself to chill out and, and say, you're not behind. That's just in between your ears. You're not behind. You're right where you need to be. Chill out. Be creative. Think bigger. I wish they were really thought bigger. The other main thing I, I would tell myself is to be a lot more open about things and uh, not buy in. At certain times, the uh, failure is not an option mantra is absolutely necessary, right? We, we understand where that application lies in the Marine Corps, right? Mm -hmm. Failure is not an option. The issue is when you, you take a young 18, 19 year old uh, person and that mantra is ingrained with them that failure is not an option. Failure is never an option. Failure is never an option. And you get out of that environment that we all loved because it was very, you know, cut and dry for us, right? Then you get into this world of gray. And you're trying to, you know, you're going to school and then you're finding, you know, trying to find out your career choice. And the only thing you have in your mind is failure is not an option. I have hung on to a lot of things that I shouldn't have hung on to for so long 
because out of a fear of failure, right? And when it turns into failure is not an option to, well, I will continue going down a bad, fa- a bad, a bad path or something that's not beneficial because I just don't want to fail at anything. That stuff becomes no good for you, right? And so I would tell myself, hey, you, you got to do what you need to do to kind of check that mindset and realize that it's those failures, those mistakes you make. And that when you make them earlier and you're doing them the right way and you have mentors, that's what's going to help you grow and learn. Because when I, I found myself adopting that uh, failure is not an option, I almost found myself getting a little too safe and comfortable, you know? Yeah. And, and I can tell you when I started at AXA, I, I wasn't I wasn't a superstar. I didn't come out of the gates. And part of that was I needed this time and process. And I thought that I, I had some other system figured out. And I wished I really just would have swallowed all that and bought in. If I just would have bought in and said, okay, this is what my time here is. This is what the training is going to be. And this is what I'm going to do. I mean, you look back and it's like, shoulda, woulda, coulda, right? But I always, you know, was just afraid of failing. And so I was just, you know, trying to do this thing instead of really bust out of the gates and just attack things with, with, you know, as much vigor as I needed to. So one, chill out, don't be so hard on myself and really understand what that failure is not an option thing, right? There are things that I do every day in my life on behalf of my business, behalf of my clients where failure is not an option. But in my personal life, when you're navigating businesses and entrepreneurships and, and, and boards and stuff like that, I think we have to really check that. And I know these things are happening. We are checking these things because when Cowtown started coming back together, as this world is evolving and talking about mental health issues more and stuff like that, you and I both know that we have people that we can call when we're, when we're just not on it, right? And we know the people that we have to call and check in on. And the way that we talk about our mindset and our mental health space has really opened it up. And when you say, man, that's coming from a group of 15 Marines that are sitting around drinking at a, uh, at, at a board, that's an amazing thing, right? That's us evolving and also us supporting each other. So mindset, think bigger. I mean, there's, there's a lot in there, and I hope that made some sense. No, perfect sense. So people want to learn more about you and Pure Water Capital. Where do they go? What do they call? What are the email? What what plugs do you want to put out there for the rest of the free world that wants to get the same level of service I get whenever I have come to you? Sure. I, I appreciate that. Purewatercapital.com. Uh, first place. All of our information is there. Go check out our website. And uh, if anybody's watching this and they want to talk, those people know you. Probably one of the bazillion uh, texts or emails or calls you have, uh, call Span and he'll, uh, he'll connect you with me. That's, uh, I don't even carry business cards anymore because uh, I just say call Span. <laughs> <laughs> and in case you missed it, you can always go to our website, myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experience with an ed.com. Click on podcast, Tim Hatcher, the read more. We'll have all the links and how to get a hold of him. Throw his LinkedIn on there, as well as you can always call me or send me an email or click from the website so we can get you connected. And as always, if you're looking to buy and sell real estate anywhere on the planet and need a trusted professional, even if it's outside of Fort Worth, we will get you connected. Just go to the homepage of myexperiencerealtor.com, click on find a trusted professional, and we will get you set up. Tim, thank you for coming. Devil dog, brother, friend.